0: I really felt that oh, I, my culture and I do not know my language, and my generations will not know since I cannot teach them. So it really hit me at a point where I thought like oh, this this has to be stopped. In
1: a historical moment where urbanization is sweeping across the globe, bringing with it a wave of challenges, few issues are as pressing and demanding as feeding our ever-expanding urban centers. But we don't only want to look at quantity here, because there is an urgent need for change in our urban food system, delving into sustainable agriculture, urban farming and community-supported initiatives that are revolutionizing how we nourish our cities. Pazang Sherpa and Cecilia Barossio are young pioneers actively involved in promoting indigenous food cultures and closing the gap between rural producers and urban consumers in Nepal and Mexico. So let's learn from them. How can we achieve food system regeneration in our cities? Locale.
0: Local. Shock Local. Food change. We- we-
1: Slow Food, the podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Slow Food, the podcast that takes you on a journey through the beauty and complexity of good, clean and fair food systems. I'm Valentina Gritti, I'm your host and a Slow Food Youth Network activist. On this podcast we meet changemakers around the world who are working towards a more sustainable food system and promote a slow lifestyle. Today we want to focus on food system regeneration in our cities, with two diverse young food leaders and entrepreneurs who will inspire us with their examples. Pazang Sherpa belongs to the Sherpa indigenous community based close to Mount Everest in Nepal. He is a general manager by profession for hotel bodies and he is also an undergraduate student of business administration. He is an active promoter of the Sherpa culture and tradition. Recently he also wrote a booklet called Sherpa Culture and Cuisine, Indigenous Ingredients, which gives a socio-cultural description of the Sherpa people, including their food culture. The second guest of today is Cecilia Barroso-Hernandez. Cecilia is the co-founder of Consumo Consciente, a platform which connects local food producers to consumers in Tlaxcala in Mexico. She is also an ecogastronom, focusing on promoting and preserving local biodiversity and food culture. This episode was live recorded at event Terra Madre 2022, organized by Slow Food International in Turin, in Italy. Uh, so before starting, I would like to ask you a bit of background on the situation in general regarding uh, food and um, food sustainability in your cities. So maybe we can start with you, Pasang.
0: Sure. Um, so currently I've been living in Kathmandu, which is the capital city of our country. Uh, the foods are generally similar, quite similar, uh, in everyday perspective. Uh, but there have been people have been forgetting their cultures, so um, I've started uh, to acknowledge, to realize the fact that we need to energize, we need to revitalize uh, or rebirth uh, our cultures, our communities, and our identities. So I've been trying to do that personally, in my personal level, and to an extent, I'm trying to away other people as well.
1: And, and when did you move to Kathmandu?
0: No, actually, uh, we were, I was very young when we came to Kathmandu. So in fact, uh, to be honest, um, I do not know my cultural language. And one day, uh, since I worked in a hotel, and one of our customers, one of our guests, asked me so what what's what's up with your culture and do you speak your language and he the way he tried to say try to express that I really felt that oh I, my culture and I do not know my language and my generations will not know since I cannot teach them so it really hit me at a point where I thought like oh, this this has to be stopped we have to regrow the culture so yeah that's 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 a part of uh, where I try to started doing all this
1: okay thank you Pasang. And, uh, and Cecilia how is the uh, how does the situation look like in Tlaxcala I, are people aware of uh, like local biodiversity local food culture or do you see also that there is a loss and a disconnection between uh, for example farmers and people in the city
2: Okay, yes, there is a disconnection, but it's also a live culture there in Tlaxcala. It's uh, in a small state; it's the smallest state in Mexico. But uh, for the uh, region where it's located, it's very bio- biodiverse. So there are a lot of different kind of uh, foods, vegetables, a lot of traditional cookers, and it exists it's not uh, it hasn't died it, it exists and is alive that that culture but in the cities uh, it happens that many many of of us that we are in the city, the urban, the urban people uh forget that no or or the young people in the uh, that lives within the rural rural areas uh, once wants to go to the city
1: mm-hmm. And are there still a farmer's market where people in the city can buy local products, or when can they find them?
2: Yes, they can, uh, but unfortunately, they are not very uh, popular. You know, uh, there is two or three, maybe three, uh, markets for uh, local markets but they have like 15 years and there it's people living in the city that doesn't don't know that it that exists you know um, that's that's the thing Th- there are the places there are the producers the, the cities the state is so small it's possible to to consume to the products No, it's not difficult to make them arrive to the city so it's just to make awareness of the um, urban people that let this let them know that there are uh, things that they can eat near from there instead of going to the supermarket and
1: this stuff yeah and your project actually is based on that right can you explain how it works yes it began because of the
2: pandemic because the people used to go to the supermarkets and some of them used to go to this local market also but the government uh, don't allow to put the market uh, in a presence way so the people that you you used to go there can't buy there and they don't want to go to the supermarket and the ones that go to the supermarket Many of them were old people uh, that can't ask for their products in the phone or they don't want to do it. They n- they're no use to do it. They no nor, nor don't use to pay with the credit card. They want to go and they want to buy, but they can't because pandemic stuff. So we make this project and we organized as consumers and with the producers to make a collective basket of product or lo- of local products, each one can ask, I want an apple, I want to, uh, I, I don't know, whatever. And we told to the uh, producers, this is what we need this week. And then we organize as consumers, okay, this is yours, this is yours, this is yours, this mm-hmm. is yours. Um, so the
1: consumers, they ask in advance, Yes. Which products they want, yes. and then you go to the farmers, and then you tell them like how much the things are, and then after that you come back and you gather the product. Yes. Okay. They, yes, mm-hmm. it's like a delivery, a yeah. local delivery. Uh-huh. Right. Is it like on a weekly basis or? Uh, weekly often? basis,
2: and um, it depends of the things that the producers have uh, in the season.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah so it's it's another work. You have to make the the people uh, get. Uh, habituated that they have to consume what there is in, the, in that season.
1: Cecilia Barossio is managing the project of Consumo Consciente, which means mindful consumption, with a group of four friends. Consumers in the city of Tlaxcala who want to order a basket of vegetables can submit directly their orders via WhatsApp or via phone call. And uh, Pasang, can you also explain us how you managed to introduce the Sherpa cuisine inside the hotel? Because I think it's something I don't know if anywhere else in the world it exists that a hotel has an indigenous kitchen. For me, when I heard it, I was like, wow, no, this is really, really innovative. So, can you explain us how you, how everything started and how it works?
0: The hotel has a restaurant, a different, which is a different part. So, I had the privilege to rerun the menus so my mom was the one who gave me the idea
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> so she was
0: like okay you have the chance now
1: <laughs> credits to the mom then. yeah credits <laughs> to the
0: mom and the makers are my grandmothers and my grandparents from the village actually so some of the products has to be brought from my village to the restaurant
1: is it far away
0: it is actually it, it's actually far um in our village, the the airways are quite difficult, so we have to take a bus, and the bus is bus or a vehicle, any vehicle. So it's uh, you have to travel a whole day to get to the village. And air, we, do, we still do have airways, but it is very dangerous. Actually, our airways is one of the most dangerous airport in the world. Why? Uh, have uh, you guys ever heard about Lukla Airport? No. Uh, you should see that it's like the most dangerous. Is the runway? It goes and here's a big mountain, so you have to U-turn it. So the plane comes like this, and it has to U-turn like this
1: because some the of these planes, they crash against the mountain yeah, there has
0: been oh, there has been a lot of incidents <laughs> like that
1: okay i am
0: very scared to travel on a plane like <laughs> to my village so i would rather prefer a bus okay so yeah, that's, uh, that that way we did it you know, on a smaller scale i was not very confident that people would like it because they have not seen the menus they have not seen the ingredients before so i was i was like on a Skept, not not so much skeptic level, mm-hmm. but we ran it somehow. My uncle, very supportive. His name is Wangden. He's also a shepherd, okay. so he was very supportive of me. We ran through it, and somehow it's it's getting along. Now I have a, it's a positive that I can do that, on a different. I can open my own restaurant, and I can run it as a business. That that we can only just sell the, indigenous. Dishes, mm-hmm. and actually there are a lot of indigenous uh, cultures in our country and a lot of different dishes so maybe I'm also thinking that we can introduce all of it in one place
1: How do people living in the city react to the indigenous food?
0: The first, of, first time I had to really explain through the menus because the, uh, the Sherpa names are quite difficult to pronounce and they really don't know the ingredients before some of them do but few herbs and few um, small things um, are not known to everyone so you really have to bring a photo and show them oh so this Ah. is this is this and this has this kind of benefits so everyone's like so what am i eating Uh (laughs) Uh, is it okay is it like Deep fried or something like that. So I had to run through it, but people got used to it.
1: And do they like the taste?
0: Yeah, I've I've seen many faces that's like, oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Some <laughs>
0: are like, since uh, the food of Shepa is uh, for winter, for the winter situations, cause because we live in the cool high thing. altitude. Uh-huh. And we have to have a, we have to have a hot things every time. So most of the foods are designed to uh, to be hot. So it's it's a, a little problem is that in summer, people do not prefer it a lot, mm-hmm. but in winter they're like yes we are going to eat a shepherd food today. Mm-hmm. There's one special uh, food that is very similar to the pancake. Uh, it is totally made out of potatoes, and with it we like spicy mm-hmm. and masalas a lot so we have a pickle as well and the pickle is uh, made from uh, sherkim it's what is uh, sherkim yeah so this is the situation i have to face every yeah. time <laughs> in the restaurant <laughs> so sherkim means um it's a pickle made out of uh, butters which we ferment and preserve it for butter? a long time yeah oh. butter but i don't see this is a <laughs> i have to explain it so it's we have to it becomes uh mushy how do you uh-huh. say that? yeah so if we preserve it long enough it has a different kind of taste it's kind of a little bit smelly but we like the smell Uh huh. <laughs> and we preserve it for a long long time but
1: so let me understand like you have like a butter then uh-huh. you you cut it in in pieces no 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 you put not no.
0: like a not like a butter that uh western people use uh-huh. it's more like uh it's the texture is more like a tofu you know tofu
1: okay yes yeah so mm-hmm. it's
0: similar the the shape sizes and uh, when you bite it it's more similar so when you keep it long enough it has a it it becomes differently tasty uh, but it's more made of a yak 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 you know that yak no yak is uh, a <laughs> <Here cow>, again <laughs> yes cow uh huh but from the higher altitude okay. they have like uh, big horns mm-hmm. and uh, very warm like too much of fur Okay. If I if I had a photo, then I would show you. But I don't have it right now. <laughs> so it's a yeah, It's very native to us. Okay. It normally lives on the high mountain, grazes on the high, high mountains. So the butter, cheese, everything is made out of it. <laughs>
1: Uh, and Ceci, would you like to tell us something also about the the local gra- gastronomy in Trascala? So, what are some typical products or something that you are really, really trying to preserve and that you see that it's also risking to disappear? I think there are three ingredients
0: uh,
2: where all the traditional uh, dishes are derivated. Okay. So,. Uh, the corn or the maize, there are th- a lot of different varieties in Tlaxcala, and each one is used for an, a specific thing. Uh-huh. Now, for example, there is a kind of maize, and it's used to make some kind of, uh, also like a pancake, but made of maize, and you can do it sweet, or you can do it uh, salty. Uh,
1: what's the name? Of tamales. The tamales. tamales. Tamales,
2: mm-hmm. and, and it's delicious. Uh, delicious. Delici- delici- there are another kind of maize, and it's made. Uh, it's uh, used to make a kind of soup, a hot uh, soup, uh, pozole, mm-hmm. and it's very traditional to eat it in in, in a specific dates. And yeah. um, also the the mole mole is it's a dish, and it's made uh, from a lot of uh, ingra- ingredients, uh, principally different kinds of chili, the tortillas you. Uh, you already know tortillas, tacos. It's also made with some kind of of maize, and then there is the the ingredients derived from maguey. It's a kind of agave, uh, like tequila, like mezcal. Uh, it's They're
1: made with the y- yeah mm-hmm. made
2: with agave, uh, but it's a different uh, variety of of agave in Tlaxcala and from that plant, you can have a lot of different uh, foods. Mm. And also, we have this culture of eating a lot of insects. Mm. (laughs) Yes, uh, so... Like, for
1: example, which kind of insects?
2: Um, For example, I I don't know the the name in in English, but the uh, Uh, saltamontes, chapulinos, grasshoppers, uh grasshoppers, um, gusanos like worms, worms from mm. the maguey. Ah, yeah, that li- live uh, the ma- the worms live in the roots, the roots and also in the leaves. Do you roast them? Do you, yes, or with some oil, a uh-huh. little bit of oil, or without oil, just in the um, the fuego, in the, in the fire, the fire. Pff, pff, that's all, okay. and in a tortilla. Assuming you make a taco with the worms. taco. Wow. Okay. With a, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> yeah, with a, a lot of different, different kind of insects. Uh-huh. And um, maíz, and a lot of things that grow in the this ecosystem in association with maize and maguey that are uh, uh, silvestres
1: wild... Uh,
2: wild uh, plants mm-hmm. that grow there because in traditional systems, they don't use pesticides. Mm-hmm. So leaves grow uh, and they eat that. They they learn how to eat that also. The name mm-hmm. is Kelites. Uh, Kelites is the whole group. And there are many, 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 many kinds of Kelites. And the people uh, know... How to use it also they don't see these uh, herbs as a bad thing mm-hmm. they don't have to use the pesticide because that that grows it's also uh, it's also food you mm-hmm. can eat and also the the other insects can eat from that uh, plants. Okay. Think, No, everyone can it's, it's food for everyone.
1: They are not considered weeds. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then you uh, you think that these products they are also risking uh, somehow to be uh, to ex- to be extincted or are people like stopping to grow them? Yes, because
2: they are growing now with pesticides. Some producers, mm-hmm. uh, so they can produce more in an, in a big uh, in a big way. But they, the pe- the people, the government, the the techniques come and say to the to the producers, you have to put this and you have to use this seed, and and they they do it now because it ch- it's cheaper and they can uh, have more money. Mm-hmm. And then the people in the city uh, don't know anymore the this wild wild. Things and they don't know how to cook it. It's the mm. same now. The mm. the producers are there with a lot of calitas, and the people. Um, I don't know who to use it. I I have never tried this. The children.
1: Mm. Yeah, of course, if parents, <laughs> they already don't know how to yes. do it. <laughs> And do you believe that uh, it is actually possible to feed the city in this case, the city of Tlaxcala, just or mainly with the products that are grown there? Yes, I think so. But it's just to organize, to
2: organize as consumers and as producers to to make it possible. No, we we in the city have to organize uh, to. Look for the local producers, and the producers have to organize to produce enough and more. Mm-hmm. They can see that they can produce more because they, it's it's There's sure that they are going to yeah. to to sell their the product and no? mm-hmm. um, and motivate the young people to also grow food, and we in the cities also have to grow some food to be producers also of something you now or transform or I don't know. Uh, But I think it's possible, but it needs a lot of work.
1: Pesan Sherpa is using mostly ingredients from his indigenous community in the restaurant, with the exceptions of fresh vegetables and oils. So I asked him if he noticed that the fact that he's buying products from his community is having any impact on the indigenous farmers and producers.
0: Yes, it has, uh, in some case, it, it does have helped um people when i go back to my village they will know that oh this guy has come back to get some more and when i do that repetitive they will be making it they will be making it ready for me to come and take it so before that they all they always used to like keep it for themselves only so uh it does have seemed to be very helpful uh for for now it's just me and there might be some other people as well, which I don't know yet. But if we keep on doing this, they will know that, ah, there's a more, more demand coming on. So we need to grow it more. We need more people. We need more resources. So it is definitely helpful. Small steps, but we're on it slowly.
1: Thanks to our amazing guests, Pazank Sherpa and Cecilia Barosio, for the great work that they are carrying out and for being such an inspiring example. But now, before ending this episode, it's time to share some practical advice on how we can all be more slow in our urban foods consumption. So first of all, look for platforms that distribute products from local producers near the city where you live to consumers. Fortunately, most cities now have one platform like this. If not, look for local producers near you and try to buy directly from them, or look for local farmers' markets. In case you really want to go to a supermarket, then choose local and seasonal products. Find out which restaurants in your city support local producers, but also rediscover local dishes from your area and suggest your friends and family to go to those restaurants that serve them. Don't be afraid to try new things, ask your grandparents what they used to grow and eat and get inspired by them. Be happy with what the season offers you, even if this means not eating strawberries in winter times. Make your friends and family try more local food to show them the beauty and the special taste of it and to inspire them to do the same. Thanks for joining us in this episode. If you have more questions, feel free to reach out to us via email at podcast at or via our social media and we will get back to you. This is Valentina Gritti and you have listened to Slow Food, the podcast. See you in two weeks.